church there that got us started. So we, we have a strong tie with it, with that congregation. Tammy, Jeff's wife and his daughter Ellie, are not able to make it, and we hope maybe in the future we'll get get to see them. And we will always be grateful to Bill and Melody Powers, who introduced Jeff to us. I think we met him probably three years ago or something like that. He was visiting, so we're thankful for that. And also, Brother Wilder has agreed to conduct our Tuesday morning Bible class. I need to throw that in. So please make plans to attend this Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock. We plan to have a good good. Uh, fellowship together during that class and we'll probably have a little luncheon later so if you have have a chance and you haven't been able to come out come out Tuesday morning so it's great to have uh, Jeff Wilder with us and this time we're going to ask Pete Soro if he'd lead us in a word of prayer our God our Father in heaven we thank thee Father for this beautiful Lord's Day we're thankful for the opportunity that we have to come together here this morning to study thy word, to learn more how you would have us to live our lives. We ask thee, Father, to be with those who cannot be with us this morning, be with those who are sick, be with those who are ministering unto them, be with those who are hurting throughout all the world, Father. Comfort them as you alone can do. We ask you, Father, be with those who are bereaved and lost of loved ones, Help comfort them, Father, and help us to know what to do and say and things to do for them. We're thankful, Father, for all the good blessings you've given us, for the homes we have, for our jobs, for the air we breathe, the water we drink. We know, Father, all good and perfect gifts come from thee. We thank thee especially, Father, for thy son who came and lived and died and set an example that we too may have a way of everlasting life. We ask you this morning to be with the elders and deacons of this congregation. Be, be with everyone represented here this morning. Be with Brother Wilder as he leads us in discussion of thy word. We pray, Father, everything we do would be in accordance with thy will. Continue to be with our leaders here in this nation. May we always have this opportunity May we always have this freedom to worship thee. Continue to bless as you see our needs. Go with us through the remaining of this service. Forgive us thy sin, Father, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. What a joy it is for me to be back here with you. I have looked forward to this since I got out of the hospital last year. The story goes that there was this fella who was henpecked. Guys at work picked on him about it. People at the neighborhood picked on him about it. And one day he finally done had all he could stand. He went home and he threw his hat in and he hollered, Woman, pick that hat up and hang it up. And I want you to go in there. And I want you to cook my supper. And after you bring me my supper, I want you to go run me a tub of hot water. And after I get my bath, I want you to have my slippers and my house coat ready for me to put on. And in the morning, guess who's going to tie my tie? And she looked at him and said, the undertaker, if you don't change, if you don't change your attitude. 
when Brother Jacobs called and said, we'd like for you to come back. You know, I was here in 2007. When I got home <clears throat> on Monday morning, I went to the hospital and spent a week at the hospital. Second time I'd ever been in the hospital. First time's when I had surgery on my knee. Last year in 2008, I came and had a great meeting with y'all, went home. Monday morning, checked in the hospital and spent a week in the hospital. When Brother Jacobs called and said, would you come? I said, let me call the hospital and see if I can make reservations. Tammy said, if this keeps going up, you're going to have to call the undertaker and make reservations. But I hope I don't have to go back in the hospital. My plans are not to. Uh, I, I feel good. I hope I look good. I'm trying to look good. And uh, all those good things are happening. But I am glad to be back with you folks at Olive Branch. I keep up with you via Internet. Uh, I am so excited of the great things that God is doing here. It's obvious. It's obvious that y'all are on fire and doing tremendous things for the Lord and in His kingdom. I commend your elders. I commend Brother Mike and the deacons and all the members that are doing good things. I'm looking forward to today. I understand we have a goal of 400. Is that right? Is that right? That's right. A goal of 400. That's wonderful. If y'all will let me do the counting, I promise we'll make it. I promise we will make it. The brethren at Fayetteville most definitely send their regards. There are several that have come this way. They have family, and they chose to make this weekend time to come visit family. And uh, so they will be here with us. Uh, some are coming over from North Alabama this morning. They were spending the night there. And then others are coming from on up in Tennessee somewhere. I'm not sure. But I told them to get out of Tennessee as quick as they could and to get here with us. <clears throat> so they're looking forward to being with you. And we do have a kindred, a, a kindred relationship with y'all, and uh, we enjoy being with you. So the brethren there say hello. I uh, said to send me back in one piece, and I said that, that's my full intention to come back in one piece and uh, look forward to our time in working together. If you have your copy of the scripture, I want you to turn to Colossians. Just put your finger at the book of Colossians. We're going to be discussing some things, and I want to set the scene for our study this week. A lot of things, I believe, are happening in our world today, and I believe that we sometimes forget that God is still in control, sitting high on his throne. Jesus is reigning king over his church. Jesus uh, is involved in the business of his church. I believe sometimes we forget that the Spirit seals us, Ephesians chapter 1, read that, holds our earnest, our down payment for eternity. I think sometimes we think like Thomas Jefferson, the deist, uh, the one that thought that God uh, created and just kind of turned around and left us to on our own. We forget that God is alive and well and doing things in our world. I believe some things are happening if we will take back and look at a picture of the, uh, or look at the big picture that we will see some things that God is doing that is enabling the church that Jesus built, Matthew chapter 16, the church that Jesus died for, Acts chapter 20 and verse number 28, the church that God in prophecy said would exist, Isaiah chapter 2, Joel chapter 2, we see the fruition of the church. We see it coming into being in Acts chapter 2. I believe God is doing things today in 2009 that will enable us to grow like we've never grown before. 
In my time in McDonough, Georgia, where my family is from, my dad's family, my child is a seventh generation McDonian, Henry County. I've watched politics all my life. Matter of fact, <clears throat> been involved to a degree, appointed to many uh, positions. I've sat on the planning and zoning, the special purpose local option sales tax. I've represented Henry County on the Atlanta Regional Commission. Been involved, but I, I watch politics uh, from a close distance, if that makes sense. And I believe things are happening in our country today that are poisoning the church, not poisoning, but putting the church in position to do some things of greatness. And folks, we've got some attitude adjustments to do. We've got some rethinking to do. Now, I don't want you to leave this morning. I don't want you to leave Wednesday night. The doctrine of Jesus Christ is unchangeable. God's Word has been delivered to us according to Jude once and for all. We can understand it, Ephesians chapter 3. We can know what the Bible says. God's truth are never changing. The most consistent thing you'll ever have in your life is God's Word. And I want you to understand that, believe that. But we've got to do some things. We've got to wake up, brethren, because of this one reason. Death is for sure. Death is for sure. Unless the Lord comes back and you and I will be changed. Y'all know how I'm looking forward to the resurrected body. I've told y'all that already. 1 Corinthians 15 me, promises me a resurrection. The Thessalonican letter says that if I don't die and the Lord comes during my life, that I'll be changed. I'm counting on six foot 180. Being my luck, y'all all all be five nine something pounds. But I'm counting on six foot 180. Death is for sure. Thursday, I attended two funerals. This year, I have attended, attended, 15 funerals. I've participated in eight of them. Death is for sure. Look around. If y'all haven't noticed, my hair's grayer than it was last year. Thank God it is still, and I'm sincere, thank you God that it is still intact and not turning loose. Y'all know I'd look rough. I'd look like a swelled up tick if I was bald-headed. I'm aging, I'm getting older, and those of you I've seen this morning, guess what? You are too. Death is for sure. The Lord's return is for sure. I don't know when, uh, no one knows when save the Father, and when the Lord, when the Father says, Jesus, go back. The eternity will begin for us, and those of us that are alive will meet him in the air. We've got to change our attitude, church, because death is certain. Eternity is on its way. And the next reason we've got to change our attitude is because eternity is way too long. And listen close. Hell is is way too hot for anyone, including what you perceive to be your worst enemy, to dwell there. 
We've got to change our attitude, and I believe God is doing some things in our culture, in our society, in our day to position His children, His foot soldiers to get out there and to get the job done. And what job I'm talking about, I'm going to get to in just a minute because I believe it can be done. I'm tired of hearing people say it can't be done. I'm so sick of it that when people challenge when I say this, I just say, don't even go there with me. I'm that serious about it. Hell is way too hot and eternity is way too long and brothers and sisters, way too many people are stepping off in eternity by means of, the, of death and will suffer a devil's hell for eternity and you and I have a job to do. This week I want us to examine that. Then the fourth reason that we've got to think and change it's because heaven is so sweet and it won't be long enough when we really comprehend what it's all about. We've got to change. We've got to change our attitudes, brothers and sisters. We've got to start rethinking where we are and what we're doing. We've got to take a sharp look around and we've got to get all the motivators other than the one motivator out of the way, put the one motivator in place, and we've got to do something because God is positioning us for greatness. And if we miss this opportunity, I don't know how long, nor do I understand why God would continue to allow time to march on. Heaven is way too sweet, and it won't be long enough when we fully comprehend what it's all about. What are you talking about, Jeff? What have we got to step back and look at? What have we got to do? Tell me what you're talking about. Brother Paul said to our brethren at Colossae, I wish we had time to exegete the whole book. It is a dynamic book in helping us to understand the preeminency, the excellency of Jesus. But he says something and it's just a little slip in here. It's just put in here for us. But he says something that is significant that we can trace all the way back to our Lord while he was on this earth, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 24. But he slips something in. He says, verse 23, If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you've heard, which was preached, past tense, to every creature which is under heaven. Wherefore I, Paul, am made a minister. Did you hear what he said, church? Did you hear what Brother Paul said in about 64 A.D., about 30 years past, maybe 35 years past, ever how you want to mark the calendar, past the death, the year of the Pentecost, that the church was established. Did you hear what Brother Paul said? That the gospel, the eglion, the good news, that which tells the story of redemption of man, because you and I have a sin problem that is so severe that you and I can't do anything about it, that it took God Himself in the flesh. Philippians chapter 2, look at about verse 5. Go down to verse 8. He became one of us that it took God Himself to be the suitable sacrifice to handle our horrendous sin problem. 
And on that third day, God raised him from the grave and he came out victorious over death. And now he reigns king over his church, king of kings, Lord of lords, the most high potentate. Paul told Timothy in his first letter, the sixth chapter, about verse number 16. You see, the good news is we've got a Savior and we've got a Savior who wants to save us, who will save us, and he has built a church that he one day will come and get to take home to the Father. You want to have audience with Heavenly Father? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me but by the or comes to the Father but by me. You want audience with Heavenly Father? You go through Jesus, the one who saved us. And Paul said that that good news had been given to every creature on earth. It wasn't no secret that was the mission God had intended for the world. The most devastating day in all of history. Modern history, ancient history, world history. The most, the most horrific day is dated Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 6. The most horrific day in all of history, eternal history, when our greatest grandparents, Adam and Eve, made the decision to sin, sin is a choice. James says it is. James chapter 1. Sin's a choice. Look at about verse 13 and read on. Sin is something you decide to participate in. And Adam and Eve, our greatest grandparents, on that day decided to sin. And when they did, change came. Separation took place. Fellowship discontinued. Death ensued. And God focused on redeeming us. Buying us back, getting us back into the fellowship with Him. And He spent centuries doing it when it came to fruition in Jesus being the sacrificial lamb. And our responsibility, church, is to make all of those who share this terrestrial ball with us aware that they can shed their sin problem. Our brothers and sisters did it. And we've dropped the ball. Folks, it's time for us to start thinking differently. I believe God is positioning us for greatness. That His Word would have free course. You remember... It was prayed for. Pray that the Word of God will have free course all around this world. And we, the church, notice I use the definite article the, the church, the church that Jesus built, the church that Jesus reigns king over, the church that he serves as the head of, the church where he serves as the chief shepherd, 1 Peter chapter 5. The church that he puts you in it where he needs you, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4. The church, the church that he will return one day and take to the Father. Read the Revelation. Jesus, through his providential hand, with the Father and the Spirit, are positioning us for greatness. 
and we're sitting on our hands. Folks, please, please, I, I want to communicate this message this week in such a way that I motivate you. I want you to leave here walking about a foot and a half off the floor full of confidence, boldness, and love and get this job done. But what we've got to do to get to that point is go through some painful process. We've got some self-examination to do. We've got to rekindle the fire. We've got to take hold of the mission that Jesus left with us. You remember when he left this old world? There around Mount Olives uh, in, in Bethany, Luke chapter 24 and verse number 50. When he ascended, you remember where his disciples were. I'd have been right there with them. You remember where they were? I call them they were in a, drop, a dropped jaw situation. You ever been in a dropped jaw situation? You can count on a dropped jaw situation following when you hear somebody say, Hey, watch this. Because they're going to do something most of the time pretty stupid and you're going to drop your jaw. You've been there. You've witnessed it. And most of you men have done it. Hey, watch this. There they were on that day in a drop-jaw, wide-eyed situation. And it took angels to get their attention. Why are you standing here gazing? Why do you think that the angels came on that day when our Lord ascended to get the men who had been in the school of ministry under the feet of Jesus those who had been with him for three years, why do you think the angels came and said to them that day, why stand ye men gazing? I believe if the angels hadn't come that day, there'd still be some of us standing there right now gazing. They needed to be jolted into a new reality. He's gone and he's coming back. And in the meantime, you've got a job to do. Go to Jerusalem, he had said. Stay there until the Holy Spirit comes and that which the prophet Joel had prophesied came to fruition and they began to boldly on that day of Pentecost preach the gospel to the point that it saturated this terrestrial ball to where everybody had heard it. And now here we are with better ability. They did it against all odds. It was the underdog team, that team of ragtag put together men who didn't know where to go, what to do, and how to do it. And if you put them together under most circumstances, they had a fault argued and killed one another, but they turned this world upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to ask the hard question, church, why haven't we? Why haven't we? They did it under persecution. They did it under threat of their life. They did it without technology. They did it without 
funding. They did it without high-powered personalities. They did it, and we haven't. Why? I believe there's a day of reckoning coming that we're going to get to talk to God face to face and tell Him why. I believe that God is positioning us as His children in a place to where we can get His Word to every creature on this earth. If you're like me, you're already sitting there saying, well, I give to this, and well, I support that. I've invited folks to our friends and family. I don't know what y'all are calling today. We did one at Fayetteville back in March. We called it Friends and Family Day. Uh, we were very blessed. We set a goal of 600. We had 635 there, not counting the pregnant women. We counted them, we just didn't count their babies. <laughs> but I would have, if it had been 590-something, we'd have started counting babies in the womb. <clears throat> and by the way, that wasn't my count. It was an accurate count. You may be sitting there saying, I've invited friends here today. I've invited, I support this uh, a world evangelistic organization, I support this missionary, I do this, I do that. And in reality, you've kept your mouth shut with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've only used your pen. You've never told anybody about Jesus. You just want to get them somewhere where somebody else will tell them about Jesus. You want to sneak the gospel in their life. You want to let them become a Christian. And then you stand before God and say, God, I did it. That's not first century Christianity, nor is it evangelism according to the Bible. The Bible says that they went from house to house. Who is they? Those who were saved. What have you done? And folks, it's going to hurt this process this week. It's going to hurt. We've got to do some self-evaluation because we've got to buy into the fact that we can do it. We can get the gospel to all the world in our generation. And what it's going to take is increasing the army and focusing and working like we've never worked. Now what are we going to have to do? First of all, we're going to have to change our rotten, stinking, negative attitudes. That's what we're going to have to do. Because if you're of the mindset that it can't get done, listen to me. The big boy from Georgia is here to tell you if you're of the mindset that we cannot get the message out, listen to me, eyes right here, those of you who are resting your eyelids, wake up, I mean, get them up. Now, mm, I wish that was a nice way of saying, y'all quit sleeping just a minute and listen to what I'm saying. I hit the pulpit at Fayetteville one day and had a brother just about jump out of the pew. He came out and he said, don't you do that again. I said, don't you do that again. I said, I won't if you won't. You started it. <clears throat> if you don't believe we can get the job done, you got a rotten, stinking attitude. Now, if you, know, if you need me to tell you that to your face, I, I'm bold enough to do it. I don't mind telling you. If you're here and you don't think we can get the gospel to every creature under the sun in our generation, you got a rotten, stinking attitude. 
And if you need an appointment with me, I'm at the Holiday Inn Express. I'm in room 115. Come knock on the door, and I'll tell you, you got a rotten, stinking attitude, because you do. And you know what, brethren? Change. Buy into the fact that the power is in the gospel, not in you, and all we've got to do is unleash the power. The next thing we've got to do is we've got to quit rallying in our past victories. Well, back in my day, I'll tell you what we did. Can I use my plain southern English? We are in Mississippi, aren't we? Y'all do understand plain southern English. Let me tell you what we did back in my day. We ain't in your day. We in this day. Well, I, I got a brother that I love. I love him. I love him so much. He believes that every church problem can be solved by a bus ministry. Guess what? It ain't going to work in Fayetteville, Georgia. I don't know about Olive Branch, Mississippi, but a bus, bus ministry ain't going to work in Fayetteville, Georgia. It, we got to stop sitting back and saying, well, back in the 50s, I'm telling you, we was the... Fastest growing. Well, guess what? We're not right now, and you ain't doing nothing to change it because you got a rotten, stinking attitude that says we can't. You got to get up off your couches of self righteousness. Remember what Paul said? Not looking backwards, but looking forwards. I press on to the mark. We got to get past what used to be. And you know what? That may call for a little change. If y'all hadn't figured me out yet, I've lived in four houses in my life. I've lived in the same 10-mile radius in those four houses all my life. Did you hear me say my child is a seventh generation Henry Countyan? I mean, I, I don't like change. And the only person that I know that does like change is a baby with a dirty diaper and a woman with a bad hairdo. Now you think about it, ladies. You coming home from the beauty shop. I can't believe she did not. You wait till I get home. And you don't even put your pocketbook down good till you done got the comb tearing up that $35 hairdo. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But we might have to change some things, folks. I'm not talking about changing the doctrine. Don't go out of here saying, Jeff Wilder's a change agent, because I'll come after you. And if I got guts to tell you you got a rotten, stinking attitude, I got guts to tell you you flat out wrong. I am not a change agent. There's some things we're going to have to change. And then lastly, we've got to quit being foot draggers saying you can't do it. I didn't know this was happening at Fayetteville, but we, we set a goal, not me, we, shepherds and some of the deacons. Folks got together and we said we're going to have 600 here. Well, I didn't know that there were people who didn't buy into that. I thought everybody bought into that until the week before. Now, we really... I mean, people were out inviting their neighbors, their family, their friends. It was just phenomenal what was happening. We had a nice little card made up, and we did a mail out, and we talked about it, and we fired everybody up about it. But I didn't know 
There's this one fella. If he'd have been right, he would have drowned it in coffee. Because he waged with everybody a cup of coffee. <laughs> he said, matter of fact, he's gone about broke because he's had to buy so many cups. He said, if we have over 425, I'll buy you a cup of coffee. He never did tell me that because, number one, I wouldn't have bought into it. Number two, the steaks would have been a whole lot more than a cup of coffee. It had been like a new car or something. And we had people that I never dreamed of who said, you know, I, I figured we'd get close to it, but I never thought we'd make it. I mean, people that were in very heavy leadership roles that were preparing. On that day, we fed over 550 people. They stayed. Not only did they come, they came and ate with us too. And we've got to get rid of that foot-dragger mentality that we cannot do it because, brethren, we can do it. The gospel is way too powerful and you and I are in a position in our country and in our world to where people are beginning to hunger for something of substance and bank accounts won't do it, addresses won't do it, jobs won't do it. The only thing that you and I can hang on to from now on that has any substance is the gospel of Jesus Christ and Him is our Savior and this world needs it and we're sitting on our hind ends doing nothing while error encompasses the world and we're sitting back talking about what we ought to do when all we got to do is preach Jesus and turn this world upside down and we've got to do something starting now. I challenge you as I close this lesson to make it your goal to stand in the portals of eternity with the first century brethren who have a sign that says we did it. and We've got one too. Because church, we can and we're going to have to use all the tools we've enlisted thus far. But we've got to start opening our mouths rather than resting on our wallets. We can do it. It can be done. I look forward to the rest of this week. Thank you for your kind attention.